Okay, as the ushers are collecting the offering, I have a plethora of announcements for you this morning. Blood pressure checks will take place following our service today. We had a line all the way down the hallway after first service. Take advantage of this great opportunity. Um, we've had some cool stories of people that never did it, and they finally went in and had their blood pressure checked, and they realized they needed to go to the doctor. In one instance, it was a pretty serious heart condition that was first kind of discovered through a blood pressure check. How many of you love 95-degree days? Anybody love a 95-degree day? Well, you know what makes a 95-degree day awesome? When you have a frozen treat to devour, and that's what the Coffee at the Crossing crew is doing for us today. When church ends on your way out, the Coffee at the Crossing crew will be giving you a frozen treat. I think it's a Klondike bar, one of God's greatest creations, and you can enjoy it on your way out. Great ministry. You're going to hear more about Coffee at the Crossing. Um, love the work that Emily and her team are doing. Men's Mission Trip. Still room for you. We um, threw out the need for a $2,000 special offering that will be matched by a very generous donor to get us the funds we need to build that second house. And uh, I think right now we're over $1,800 toward that $2,000. I'd love to blow that away. Every penny given will either bless this trip or future mission trips. Um, so please give. Give generously. Reload for Men this Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. in the Cable Building. Thank you to Karen Rice. Thank you to Jenny Carter for doing the cooking for us this summer. Thank you to Kevin Peterson for doing the cooking before this summer. Men, come on out. I know it sounds awful 6 a.m., but we've got coffee, biscuits, and gravy in the Bible. If that's not a great trio right there, I don't know what is. One last announcement, uh, two more, excuse me, Father-Son Cookout, Weldon Springs, Saturday, July 29. It's free, but you need a ticket, and you can get that ticket from Mandy at the foyer table following service today. And then this has been written about, but I don't think I have publicly announced it. We are stoked. We are really excited that Bible Study Fellowship is coming to Clinton. Um, BSF is making a difference all over the world, and many of you go to a BSF gathering, whether it's in Champaign-Urbana, Bloomington Normal. There will be a ladies' satellite group meeting on Tuesday evenings beginning this fall from 6.30 to 8. They're going to have an open house on Tuesday, August 8, same time, 6.30 to 8. Just an incredible blessing. It's not an FCC thing. It's much bigger than just a one church thing. But um, ladies, uh, many of you have been praying for this. BSF is coming to Clinton beginning in early September. Okay, so it was one month ago today, June 9, that Marla and I jumped in our car following an awesome week of VBS, and we headed west, and we made it to South Dakota and spent some time there, and then we went on to Yellowstone and spent some time there, and then we went south to Colorado and spent time in the Rocky Mountain National Park, and it was during this time that um, I kind of had the inspiration for this message and decided that I wanted to tell you a little bit about what I think God was teaching me through this, and hopefully some of the lessons that I learned will help you as we tackle the question, creation or creator or both. So I'm going to brag a little bit and show you some pictures. This is a picture of my lovely wife. Notice the snow in the mountains. And those are bighorn sheep. We were digging the bighorn sheep. Was that Colorado or Wyoming? That was Colorado, wasn't it, I think? 
It doesn't matter. Anyway, there was snow. Um, this next picture, waterfalls. We probably saw a hundred waterfalls. I'm telling you, the beauty of a waterfall you cannot put into words. And there were times it was almost like bringing tears to my eyes, seeing the beauty of God's creation. Beautiful Yellowstone Lake. Beautiful, beautiful lake. And so massive. And just to see a lake in the middle of this national park, I guess I didn't prepare enough. I had no idea what to expect. This next picture is an elk. It's a picture of an elk. And you can tell that it's an elk because of the very white behind that it has. And um, silly story in a lot of ways. We're in South Dakota. We're seeing the buffalo. We're seeing the donkeys, all these animals. Marla really wanted to see an elk. And so the last morning we're there, I'm up at like 5 a.m., the sun's up, I'm up, she's sleeping in a little bit, and I go for a little drive and I see an elk, and I send her a video of the elk, and she's so jealous and upset and angry, but then through the rest of our trip, we probably saw like 500 elk in Yellowstone or Colorado, and um, anyway, geysers, lots of geysers, I mean the first like... 100 geysers that I saw I thought were really cool. Um, after a while, you know, a geyser's a geyser. Not really. It, it, it's breathtaking to see this. We love the geysers. This next picture is a waterfall at the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone. And I didn't even know there was a Grand Canyon at Yellowstone, but it just breathtaking. And I mean, we hiked all the way to the bottom. No, just kidding. We didn't do that. We thought about hiking all the way to the bottom, but we just took a picture from up in the parking lot. Um, next picture is the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone. Just incredible picture. Next picture, flowers. Marla loved the flowers. She loved all these little flowers that were cropping up out of nowhere. Another geyser. You got to love a geyser. Next picture, please. Um, this one, uh, I can't even pronounce how, how it is, but it is really cool. Last picture, last couple actually. Anybody know what this is? Devil's Tower. And everybody's like, you've got to go to Devil's Tower. You've got to go to Devil's Tower. Two hours out of the way. We weren't really sure we wanted to do it. I mean, how cool can it be? It was awesome. It was really cool. You're driving in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming. In Shazam, you see Devil's Tower. Don't really like the name necessarily, but it was a really cool deal. Um, snow. On Tuesday, June 13, you all had a 95-degree day. We had 35 degrees and 3 inches of snow as we arrived at Yellowstone. And yes, we were prepared. We did read our weather forecast. And then the last picture is another picture of a beautiful lake. I think this is in the Tetons, possibly. But um, just the beauty of God's creation. I, just, I loved it. I want to go back right now. I really thought about sending for my stuff. I really did for just this long. Um, the beauty of God's creation is just incredible. But here's the thing that I want to leave you with. You don't have to go to Yellowstone. You don't have to go to Colorado. You don't have to go to South Dakota to be awestruck by the beauty of God's creation. I was walking at Little Galilee yesterday, and just time after time after time at our church camp, I was just taken back by the beauty of God's creation. There's one more picture that I want to show you. And I saw this picture several times on our trip as well, and it kind of made my heart sad. Nature is my church. Uh, there are several variations of it. One variation was nature is my God. And it makes me sad because I think many of the people driving the cars that has that bumper sticker, um, they're digging the waterfalls just like I am. They're digging the geysers just like I am. 
They're digging the, the beautiful lake and the beauty of God's creation just like I am, except they're not saying that it's God's creation. They're saying, you know, nature itself is enough for me. And whether they realize it or not, they're kind of forcing upon themselves this question, creation or creator? Pick one or the other. I want to make the case today that it doesn't have to be one or the other. It really can be both. So I want to take you back to Bible college. I know most of you didn't go to Bible college, but I want to do a real quick survey of the isms. And you're probably saying, what are the isms? You've probably heard of these before. And it kind of helps determine what your worldview is, how you look at life, how you look at waterfalls, how you look at Yellowstone, how you look at Little Galilee Christian Camp. And the first ism is theism, and hopefully you connect with theism, and it's the idea that God is real, God is active, God is alive, and God is relevant today. I'm going to pray at the end of service for a couple different people in our church, and theism would be the belief that as I pray, there's a God, and he's listening to my prayer, and he's hearing my prayer, and he's answering my prayer. Theism. Um, connected to theism somewhat closely is the idea of deism. And it's the idea that God was a big deal at one time. He kind of started the whole process. He put all the wheels in motion. He wound up the clock. But he's really not active today. He's really not relevant today. And so when I pray this prayer at the end of the service, the person that's a deist would say, you know, you you could save us five minutes by just cutting out the prayer because there's no one home. There's no one listening. There's no one paying attention. The third ism, and there's a whole bunch of isms, we're just looking at three, is naturalism. And it's the idea that God is actually absent. And and nature and humans exist without God. And so my guess is, I don't know this, but every person gathered here today probably connects with one of those three isms. And I want to talk about why I think theism is the real deal and what we can learn from the beauty of God's creation. So if you're really tired, you stayed up late, you just want kind of the most important thing, I'm going to give you the most important thing right now. And here's the most important thing. My thesis for the morning is this. We are called to worship the creator, not creation. First morning in Yellowstone, 5.30 in the morning, I'm up, got my cup of coffee, climbing the overlook at Old Faithful. Now, you go to Old Faithful when that geyser explodes at like 8 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock at night. There are hundreds of people lined up. You go at like 5.15 in the morning, and you pretty much own the place. I mean, no one's up early like that. You're all by yourself. And I'm up, and I'm looking over, and I've got a beautiful view, and the geyser starts to explode, and I... It's just, it's just incredible. And in that moment, I would say it was like a holy moment for me. I was in awe of God's creation. But I didn't worship the geyser. I didn't worship the park. I worshiped God, my creator, and thanked him for the beauty of his creation. Closely connected to this is the second takeaway this morning. And that is, we are called to be stewards of God's creation. God's blessed us with incredible beauty all around us, 
and we are called to be stewards of God's creation. So grab your Bibles. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and then we're going to spend some time in the Psalms, and then I'm going to get practical and give you some takeaways, some challenges as we tackle this question, creation or creator or both. And so in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and I want to say going in, I realize for some people you read Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and you have a hard time accepting six 24-hour days. It doesn't connect with you. I don't think that you have to believe that and go to heaven. I do believe that, but I'm not a scientist. I'll be the first to admit. I've not read book after book after book after book. I'm a pre-modern. My DNA spiritually is kind of, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. That may not be where you are at, and that's okay. I would just say there is incredible, incredible power incredible power in the faith to say, I'm going to let God's word speak to me. I'm going to let God's word be truth for me. So two takeaways as you read the creation account. And the first is you can't miss the fact that this is God's handiwork. It's all over Genesis chapters 1 and 2. And the Lord said, and there was light. And the Lord said, and there was day and there was night. And the Lord said, and here come the animals and the plants, and on and on and on and on. The Lord's fingerprints are all over it. God's handiwork is at the center of the creation account. But the second thing that I want you to see is it's a big deal. The overarching theme is it was good. Time and time and time again, the writer of Genesis gives us this commentary when writing about day four, day five, day six, it was good. And then Adam comes along, and what's the commentary then? Anybody know? It was very good. It was very good. So biblical lessons related to creation and the creator, I'm probably not doing justice to this because we're only looking at four takeaways, four psalms. We could do 44. I mean, there's 150 psalms, and so many of them tell the story of the beauty of God's creation. But I want to give you four, and I want to kind of tell the story uh, of maybe a, um, a worldview of biblical creation as we go through it. So I want to start with Psalm 19, which teaches us that creation itself tells us of God's glory. So the psalmist says, I'm not wrong when I've got my coffee cup and I sit on the tree at 5.15 in the morning and I see the geyser explode and I say, man, my God is an awesome God. Or as we sang this morning, how majestic is your name. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. So you've got an assignment. And I know we've got some visitors that are with us today. And you never thought you'd come to church and you get a homework assignment. But I challenge you this week, whoever you are, to take five minutes or 35 minutes, or maybe if you got a lot of time, take half a day and spend time in the beauty of God's creation and allow it to tell you all about God's glory. Weldon Springs, Clinton Lake, Little Galilee Camp. You might want to call them before you just show up. But the, the, the point being, God's creations all around us allow creation to teach you of God's glory. Number two, Psalm 24 teaches us that the earth belongs 
to the Lord. It is His. And so Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so we should care about creation. I love to go to Canada. I haven't done it for nine years now, sadly, but I love to go fishing in Canada. And um, some of the most beautiful creation I've ever spent time in is in Canada while I'm fishing. Remote islands, just, it's incredible. But um, it's kind of a paradox getting there because you're driving on these highways in Canada. Anybody driven through rural Canada? And you look over to the side and there's garbage everywhere. I don't mean like someone took their Arby's cup and threw it out the window. I mean someone took a garbage can and threw it out the window. And so you're looking up and you're seeing the beauty of God's creation, and then you're seeing this garbage and filth all around. Um, it's awful, quite honestly, because creation is the Lord's. The earth belongs to the Lord's. So if you kind of have a laissez-faire, flippant perspective when it comes to God's creation, can I encourage you to reconsider that? Can I encourage you to look at it through maybe, maybe theistic lenses, God lenses? Number three, Psalm 104 teaches us that the Lord values his creation and he seeks to provide for it. He values his creation and he seeks to provide for it. And I, I could read this whole psalm. I won't do it, but I'm going to start in verse 10. Psalmist writes, he makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, bread that sustains his heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nest. The stork has its home in the pine trees. And here we see that the Lord not only values creation, but he provides for his creation. Um, when we were in Yellowstone, we were reading about the terrible fire of 1988. And I don't know if you know about that or not, but a lot of the park burned. They thought for a while Old Faithful and the lodges and the inns might burn. And um, talking to, to one of the rangers there, um, I said, what a terrible tragedy wildfires are. And he kind of smiled a little bit. And he said, well, you know, we don't ever want to see an inn burn down. We don't want to see a structure burn down. But he said, it's actually a blessing that when these fires happen, it provides the way for new creation, for new trees to be sprung into action. I've never looked at it that way. I've never seen it that way. Psalm 104 describes how the Lord provides, even through a forest fire, even through something along those lines. Number four, last, Psalm 63 teaches us that we are to be stewards of all of God's creation. Stewards of all of God's creation. Psalm 63, verse 9, you care for the land and you water it. You enrich it 
abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks. The valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. And so the Lord has provided for his creation. We also are called to be stewards of God's creation. And so as I wrap this message today, I want to leave you with kind of my heart. Um, This isn't new. You're not going to hear anything probably earth-shattering. But I think for a lot of us, it's easy just to kind of be flippant. It's easy just to kind of say it's no big deal. So some practical encouragement as we consider the creator and his creation. And number one is this. I think we have to avoid extremes when it comes to the issue of God's environment. And I think there are extremes. I think some in the environmental movement, I think they have great motives. I think they have great hearts. But I think it it is sometimes incredibly extreme. But more of a problem for God's people, more of a problem for you and me, is just kind of throw our hands up in the air and say, that's not my big deal, and say, who really cares? The earth's going away anyway. And so we have to avoid extreme positions and let God's word really speak to us. I can't read the book of Psalms and walk away and say, God's creation's no big deal. I can't do it. Number two, realize realize that caring for God's creation in itself is an act of worship. Caring for God's creation in itself is an act of worship. And I challenge some of you, put your thinking caps on today. What could you do to better the world around you as an act of worship? What could you do? Put on your thinking cap. Number three, resist the pessimism and cynicism related to the environment that too many Christians seem to accept. Um, I had a friend over. He was uh, drinking his Diet Coke, and he got ready to throw his 20-ounce Diet Coke bottle in the garbage. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? We recycle. He goes, you recycle? And I said, you don't recycle? That's a great comeback, by the way, in case anybody ever goes down that road with you. Um, That's something simple. That's something easy. That's something that can make a difference, and yet too many people are pessimistic. Will one bottle really matter? The answer is yeah, it will. And then finally, number four, last thing, create positive change or changes today. And so I've given you an idea, and again, I'm not great at this so this isn't necessarily going to be super outside the box and maybe that maybe many of you are doing a lot of these but here are some ideas how you can make a change today to better God's creation start or continue to recycle that's an easy way to make a difference think reusable instead of disposable my wife is the queen of the reusable water bottle I mean, everywhere she goes, she has her reusable water bottle. That's a simple way to make a difference. Walk, bike, or use mass transit when possible. For some of us, that's probably not possible. If I'm driving from Clinton to Peoria for work, I'm probably not walking. I'm probably not riding my bike. But you could carpool. You could consider um, 
other ways to be a steward of the resources that are out there. Don't waste water. Improve your home's efficiency. I'm so thankful for the great work of Dana Corneman and our building and grounds team right here at FCC. And I don't have all the facts in front of me, but thousands of dollars are being saved every year just by being more efficient right here at FCC. Think energy efficient when purchasing a new car or a new appliance. Start taking the K via email instead of hard copy. How many of you take the K via email? Okay, that's great, but you know what? You're not going to believe this. More hands went up first service than second service. I think. I'm going off the top of my head, but I think that's the case. That's an easy way to begin to make a difference. Light bulbs go energy efficient. Turn your heat down. Turn your air up when you're asleep or you're at work. Um, and again, I'm not super creative. There's some of you that probably have ideas rolling through your mind right now. Make a difference today. I want to go back to the point. Here's the point of this message. We are called to worship the creator, not worship creation but we are called to be stewards of God's creation. So I like to leave you with kind of a sentence, kind of a takeaway. Um, here's my takeaway for you today. The Lord is passionate about all of his creation. He's passionate about Yellowstone. He's passionate about Rocky Mountain National Park. He's passionate about Custer State Park. And he's passionate about the 61727. We should be as well and we should adopt a heart for creation care. It's not optional. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. And thank you for the chance to uh, consider the beauty of your creation, to consider um, just the blessing that creation is. And God, help us to never fall into that trap of worshiping creation. Help us to keep it all in a in a biblical worldview perspective. But God, help us also to not be cynical, to not uh, choose pessimism, but to say we want to be the very best stewards we possibly can. God, I, I pray that some of us will make changes today, whatever that may be. We love you. We thank you for your creation. We thank you that you trust us to be stewards of that creation. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We've got one song left to sing, and it is a commitment song.